India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone Rohit Srivastav here taking you through all the market action over the last month and looking through the lens of my charts as to what's likely to play out ahead now when we started this month we actually ended May with an engulfing bull candlestick now for those who don't understand what that really means it means that the market opened at a much lower price than where it closed for the previous month and then closed at a much higher price than where it opened for the previous month so uh, when that tends to happen it ends up falling forming something that we call as an engulfing bull candlestick setup so ideally what should have happened is that the market should have actually moved higher in the month of june that's what you'd really expect and well we are higher but really speaking so far it's been a marginal move not really significant and today was expiration day but of course expiry is not the end of the month but it's definitely the end of a 3 to 4 week period in which the gains that we've made are very very marginal and therefore uh, you know if you're really long options uh, this was not the best time except probably in the early part of the month up to the 10th of june where you had some momentum after that the momentum was lost but in the next two weeks uh, we of course uh, in the next uh, few days in fact we are going into the month end and as that happens uh, we'll probably get the final monthly close and hopefully it's still positive as a follow up to what we saw in terms of the candlestick setup for the last month i'm jumping in here with a quick announcement from uh, chavan my business head at india charts that we are offering a 10% off monsoon discount for the 1 year and 2 year subscription so any of you who have been waiting to join us for the long haul do so now take full advantage of that uh, but a lot of events this month that really made everyone question where the market is going and how this is going to pan out and this is not new to me because i've been hearing these questions being asked over and over again around the fed rates uh, qe how this is going to end for almost more than a decade and i'm sure everybody who's involved with markets has also been through this but every time it's happened uh, there's been rounds of discussions debates of how this will play out and how the smallest needle can really uh, prick this bubble uh, but really speaking it comes down to what government action and central bank action is really going to be or is actually being on the ground uh, that really determines uh, how this really plays out so the fed may have used language this time they've really not done anything either with rates or with policy but what they've used is language to you know set the nerves uh, and even then i don't know really what that setting the nerves was because apart from you know saying yeah we can do something when you say we're going to we're just talking about talking about something uh, and then a week later uh, when they gave their testimonials powell's only highlighted that his main concern which is his primary goal is uh, right now focused on unemployment and really bridging the income gap and uh, inflation is not really the real big issue uh, on his mind as of now and unless it really causes some kind of disruption would he pay attention to inflation so that's that's how far away from his mind it is so what were markets really nervous around all week when you really didn't have even a spike in the bond market the only only place where you had some kind of spike was in the dollar and so that uh, that's been the center of all the discussion that you know is the dollar headed higher is this a risk off trade uh, and are we really going back into into doldrums but the jump in the dollar didn't cause you know bond yields to go up they actually caused yields to go down which is typical of a risk off trade uh, equity prices didn't make new lows there was one knee jerk reaction but uh, you were not really making new lows apart from maybe in the dow the s&p was higher 
the Russell has made a higher bottom than it made in the last month. The Nasdaq was close to all-time highs, was down barely for a day. So you were not in the typical big sell-off, uh, you know, status as far as U.S. markets were concerned around this event. And then I ended up having a discussion on China. So uh, you know, I was told, you know, but what about China wanting to, you know, put a cap on commodity prices? And I had to reflect on that and. You know, what, what is China really doing? They're actually trying to put a cap only at the domestic level where they are saying, OK, we'll, you know, make supplies available so that, you know, prices don't keep going up. It's not like they are making supplies available to the world. They're not exporting commodities. They're still a net consumer. But all they're doing is because they actually hoarded last year, a year from today, uh, they they were actually buying more commodities uh, from the market and, you know, keeping them in, in place for their infrastructure and other uh, investments that they are making that well they, they probably released a little more of that onto the market uh, you know to ease pricing pressures near term but are they really attacking global inflation i mean is that their objective to bring down world inflation or you to bring down inflation in america so they're suddenly doing something to help america to bring down inflation so that would uh, you know sound very awkward uh, from the narrative that media really gives you that you know there's some kind of cold war going on between US and China don't know how much of that is true but heard heard surely a lot about it and is this you know uh, the way that you would play out a cold war is by helping someone else bring down inflation so it really doesn't make sense the whole inflation argument the only thing is they've definitely done something at a domestic level uh, and if they really wanted to do more at the domestic level would they you know buy more commodities or sell more commodities think about it if you had potato prices going up in india would you import more potatoes or you would start exporting them to bring down potato prices in your neighboring nations i mean if you just think about the logic you basically import right what does india do they usually say fine you can import as many potatoes as you want everybody dumps them here prices collapse that's the typical cycle we've seen it a couple of times before so if china really wanted to bring down metal prices domestically what would they do they would import more from the world or they would probably tell the world dump as many metals as you want in my country so that prices come down I mean, that's what i would say so uh, that's really not going to be the driving logic uh, the real logic would be that you know if you really want to bring down these prices you want to take care of supply bottlenecks you want to bring down demand and demand is already down because it's suppressed by uh, you know the lockdowns that we've seen so many times over the last two years india of course being in the latest but the world has been through it and now they are actually going through reopening. Uh, already US and Europe are going through reopening. India's reopening has already started and I'm told the hotels are already getting booked around the city. So if that is true, uh, then what you're really looking at is more pent up demand than less. And if you really wanted to focus on inflation so tightly, why are you ignoring oil? Because that's always been, uh, you know, the criminal as far as inflation is concerned. So if you really want to bring down inflation, why don't you attack oil? And there are two things to do there. One, one is already floating around in the news that is really raising or removing sanctions against Iran. That could be one particular step that could you know bring inflation down instantly by some amount if you you know pull down oil prices. The second one would be well, OPEC steps up its game. They've been back. They've backed off on increasing production a long time ago when prices were too low. In fact, they were in single digits. And after agreeing with Russia that yeah, this is how we should go about it. Why don't they now come to their senses that oil prices are back to $70 and we need to probably raise a little bit of production, you know, to get prices stabilized. But I don't hear any of that. The last couple of meetings, they've only spoken about postponing the potential cuts into the future. But yeah, that's that's one way of doing it is uh, raise production. So if you really wanted to, you know, uh, work on inflation, why not attack the oil market? 
rather than attack everything else doesn't make any sense to me but all i can say then is uh, what you ended up getting with all that rhetoric is a routine correction in probably the dollar and commodity markets and the underlying uh, macro trends which is down dollar up commodities emerging markets etc should all come back into force and start playing out in fact you already seeing strength in various uh, you know emerging markets or asian markets ahead of all of these news events i think the only place where there was a lot of volatility was actually the us itself and so with that behind us it leaves us with uh, you know what to think about india india has been through a lockdown which means we've already discounted that and now we move towards the reopening trade so if anything negative had to play out on the lockdown story uh, that's probably already done and now you start uh, to play out the reopening story and start discounting that and i can already hear a lot of you know media talks uh, various people you know from the financial industry research analysts being interviewed and finally changing their course that your numbers are not going to be ba- as bad as we thought and there are base effects which will make them look better and then the reopening trade in the next quarter will again make things look back to normal by the time we are into september so that's the general mood i'm beginning to sense though numbers for this quarter will uh, on a quarter to quarter basis not be so great because of the lockdown itself that is true and we are probably 10 days away from or 15 days away from starting to get results for the coming quarter i'm sure a lot of companies will postpone their result announcements later into the month which means end of july or august uh, because they know they have nothing great to really announce so in the meantime markets would have to start getting forward looking on the outcomes that are going to happen over the next 6 months i think that's how i look at it unless the momentum reverses so while the market has gone up slowly yes that is a fact i would have thought june would have been a much better month for uh, most of these asset classes especially metals that i like it's been a flattish month that fact metals has been through a good deep correction back to the 20 week average and a very good place from where to bounce off but so far the bounces are small and meager a lot of the large caps are actually moving very slowly because the best performing sector of this quarter was essentially the mid cap area in fact even better was the small cap so the small cap index is actually been the best performer but the mid cap and small cap indices continued to make new all time highs all through uh, you know the may and june period beating the nifty but at some point of time as the nifty started to pick up when it broke past the june pattern i would have expected any anybody would have expected that large cap start doing better so they've moved up but you still can't say that they're really doing better or outperforming the mid cap so even catching up at this stage based on the way they are moving so very very dull movements in individual stocks you had the Re- reliance results today people tried to speculate on that i mean that is down after the result season so not a really great momentum market right now for large caps but the mid caps that have rallied are only pulling back and doing retracement so the, it doesn't really look like a crash or a sell off or a deep correction as far as mid caps and small caps are concerned they all look like re- routine pullbacks going back to the 20 40 day 50 day moving averages and then finding support there and trying to move up again is what i can visually see except for one particular group where there's a lot of noise and action which is the adani group is it too overvalued is it too undervalued i think i don't know in a in a bubble market the valuation the word valuation really loses its meaning and uh, eventually things only change after the a bubbly phase is over so you really have to take a bigger call on what the market is doing rather than really pinpoint to what a particular stock or a sector which is in a bubble is really doing because that would always remain out of sync uh, but they got a good correction so if the equity bull market thesis remains alive 
then uh, the theory is that best performing stocks and sectors remain best performing stocks and sectors so i would usually just end up looking at okay what's done well over the last 6 to 12 months fine that will continue to do well unless i say that this trend is over so that's been the main buzzword is the trend over and clearly i've i've already said that's not the case i've probably said it a gazillion times in every episode and so uh, as people continue to oppose that thought all through this month from 15000 to 16000 uh, i had some some people tweet uh, you know about a coming up moon cycle this week and you know all of that and so which is why it pushed me to put out that uh, pick uh, on a tweet which may completely not look like me for those who know me or don't know me or even read me or hear me they, uh, they would think that you know it doesn't really sound like that but that's got nothing to do with what you are like right when you're really making a creative work or something hits you and you you know start doing doodling around you can make anything it doesn't have to reflect your personality that's the thing about social media is that you can actually write words when nobody is hearing your voice or seeing your face and seeing your emotions they only read words as your uh, as interpreting your personality which can be very very different but what it really meant out to say there and i think few people were upset because i used the you know i said astro and may appear like i'm being mean to people who uh, apply astrology my only sense in that astro space the way i have looked at it closely for a long time i avoided looking at you know the moon dates for a long time because in early 2002 2003 i saw that you know whenever we do time studies whether they are based on you know any astro i mean moon dates is one of them there are others saturn neptune them coming together and uh, various names for all these setups that you have and apart from that also looking at things like uh, you know time series uh, fibonacci time dates i used to apply that in 2001 felt beautiful initially when you could actually you know say something will happen at a, a particular time and it actually did but there were a couple of times it did not and what i realized in the process is that what happens uh, especially for an analyst or trader you start obsessing with these dates and time periods more than your underlying view and that can actually hurt because your underlying view could have been that the market should go up 500 points but you started to obsess with a particular date or time when something should happen and you know didn't uh, you know follow up your view with the same aggression or with the with the complete force that you would have otherwise you know the confidence that you would have in your trade because something based on time or some other uh, you know time based calculations these are all time based whether it's fibonacci time whether it's astrological time uh, actually had an impact on your thinking and so over time i found that that's uh, more harmful than not unless you learn to deal with it and the way to deal with it and so my learning much later uh, when one of the analysts who was with me showed me you know to look at uh, the cycles again i plotted uh, these dates uh, for a period of time and found that while these dates are working because what happens is the markets do pause okay uh, but where it goes wrong is that the markets whether they pause on the way down or the, or the way up you get tops or bottoms what you don't know based on an astrological time calculation is what is going to be the impact so you don't know what is going to be the importance of that date okay no matter what because you know the problem with uh, astrological thinking is that they think this date is very important because of a particular setup in the planetary uh, uh, cycles and over and over time you'll have found that people who you know say this is the setup that's why it's going to be really bad and so on has not worked uh, and the reason is that each setup has an impact but the size of the impact or the intensity of that impact is actually unknown okay and that can only be known through charts or even better through elliot waves and elliot wave analysis which is the only part which is the only view based forecasting tool so elliot waves gives you a view it tells you what is going to happen is it going to move up is it going to move down to what extent based on fibonacci price projection not time projection 
and what the time dates are doing are they are just coming in between or at that point and so their importance is only based on uh, behavior right so think of it that Elliot waves is what it is a study of mass behavior so if you're looking at mass behavior you're studying uh, the movement of crowds so if the crowd is at the end of a fifth wave and a date shows up there and that ends up working out okay yes so that can be that can be mean something because it's because it was at the end of that uh, you know wave structure and therefore uh, the impact of uh, that particular uh, time calculation was more but if it's not the same time calculation would have had no impact it would have had a one day impact at the most and therefore uh, you know because you don't have that intensity okay uh, in the end, essentially, what it ends up being is nothing more than a risk management tool. Where okay, you have something where you know you can have you can have wave subdivisions, but the impact of that is only known by the structure of the wave itself. And so, if you want to manage risk using some time-based you know methodology, that is fine. But if you are trying to use time itself to forecast what is going to happen and say okay, this is the date and time structure coming up, and therefore everything is going to crash or or the opposite of that, then all I'm saying is that mostly 90% of the time I, I can say based on at least what empirical evidence I have, it does not work. So if, even some of the technicians who tweeted to me on Twitter say, I use time along with technicals. So, great. I mean, see, that's what I'm also saying. You, you use time along with technicals, you use Astro along with it. But if you make it the overpowering theme, that's where it, it creates a problem is what I'm highlighting in my experience of, of people who I have spoken to are also in practice of the same methodology. If you have a different experience, you can share it. This is my view on my platform. So that's what it meant. All I meant to do with that post was really highlight, which was the bottom part of it, is that I'm bullish. So even irrespective of what anybody else is saying, that's how it should be read into. The Astro guys are saying this is a top. I'm just saying that I don't think so because my charts don't think so. And so that was my 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 point of uh, you know highlight there that uh, my methodology is not really giving those signals and it was my way of being loud about it and not to offend anybody who's a practitioner of astrology or astronomy. So that said, there were a lot of sectoral indices I've written about. The healthcare index has been a pain because really speaking, after that initial, initial rally, it's sort of gone sideways. Looks like a consolidation, which is fine. But slow and steady, so it's not really an index that's running away. The IT index is, of course, surprised me. I put out a post saying, which was confusing to a lot of people, which was mainly to highlight that uh, you could mark it as five coming to an end, or you could mark it as extending into a new wave. Today, I think uh, while I'm recording this, it's already gone past the point where wave C, which is the third wave, uh, could remain uh, not the shortest. So actually, it became the shortest, and that means uh, that ABCDE marking, whoever has seen it, uh, is violated so it does, it's not true which means the tech index will continue to perform and do well i'll have to change my accounts and post them i'll probably do that later on uh, but yeah that's one sector that's holding out against the market and looks like it wants to uh, and not come back despite those negative divergences that were there on the weekly chart only led to a pullback to the 20 week average but did not manage to break that and is still extending so that's what uh, tech is doing uh, but many other sectors are just, like I said, large caps are just waiting to move, not moving either way. Volumes are thin. So when I looked at the Nifty 500 volumes, they're really good because the broad market has been uh, participating. And then when I look at Nifty volumes, they're really poor. I mean, the entire volume has disappeared. And some people say, oh, it's because of the increased margins. But if there was a day trading margin issue, why is the, why is the broad market doing volume? So it's really something else. Uh, it's just it's just sentiment, I think, at this point of time, if I look at the put-call ratio, which has been suppressed 
significantly over the last month or so despite the uh, market rally usually if markets rally pcr moves up this time it's just not moved up which shows where the sentiment is uh, that people feel a little more pessimistic than optimistic and i always use data to determine that not the level of the market uh, to determine whether everybody is bullish or bearish and not the five people that i speak to uh, but the data that's available uh, related to the market from the nse uh, across the board so it should use all uh, market data i usually plot all my pcr and other data points not on only nifty basis so i don't do a nifty pcr i do a market wide pcr i do a market wide volume put call ratio i do market wide advance decline ratios because i look at bse data therefore which has 3000 plus stocks listed rather than only the 1000 plus listed on the nse in fact it used to be a smaller number 800 700 so i always kept bse data for ad ratios and that's what i've ended up doing forever because if you're studying the market you really want to know what the whole market is doing and not just a small segment of it so there was an interview on on bloomberg uh, with ray dalio where he was really speaking about that the fed has to continue to buy bonds so taking you back to the fed topic because that's uh, you know if it's still playing on your mind that's i think the the final thing some people on twitter even debated this is quantitative tightening going on and i was like this is not tightening and i think on the day of the fed meet they've uh, even announced a IER uh, rate which is essentially the rate at which they would you know take up uh, you know sell reserves to the banks that have excessive cash and so they can park it with the fed so that's they opened that window and uh, you know so the main point is here is that you know uh, if you believe you know see everybody knows the problem you all know there's too much debt blah 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 you can't raise rates beyond a point and and these bonds have to be uh, retired in some way so who has to buy them the fed has to buy them so if they don't buy them the world will come to an end i think even the fed knows that so so what are you expecting are you expecting them that they will intentionally end the world i mean where are you coming from when you start thinking about that they are doing this or they are doing that and which is why they've also said that we will let you know when we will take action towards you know tightening or reversing policy in terms of liquidity or quantitative easing and so on because they want markets to be prepared and they also want to be prepared when they feel that you know financial markets are in a situation where they can actually handle uh, the idea that we move the other way that's when they will even attempt it just like they waited from 2009 to 2016 before they even started to talk about tapering and then actually having a detailed plan laid out that every quarter they would reduce so many bonds and so on and they tried it for a year and when yields went up too much they again reversed policy on interest rates so that's that's what they've been doing and you know if you look at the study of you know two two names are uh, one is of course i mentioned trade alion others luke groman uh, if you if you read rep- reports from uh, you know these people when this when you actually look at their study of the time period of the 1940s okay uh, and i think that's what daily also highlighted in his uh, in his work in detail is that entire period when they wanted to bring down uh, the debt for the us when it was also high uh, what they did is they kept real interest rates negative for a prolonged period of time and prolonged means like years like a decade or something like that and also after the world war 2 which is when government spending started so which is what we are seeing now government stepping in starting to spend but to expect that this period of negative real interest rates that uh, the fed has created for the us in the last one year will suddenly go away in 12 months is probably uh, you know premature thinking that's that's what uh, uh, both of them have highlighted in various parts of their work when you really look at it closely uh, that they had to keep that environment and that's what he said in his bloomberg interview that they actually would have to buy bonds 
simply given the size of offerings that are going to come if the government is going to spend more they need to borrow more those bonds come in the market somebody is got to buy those bonds and therefore uh, this bond buying and keeping yields down uh, even as inflation moves up a bit is going to be something that we are going to face for a prolonged period of time that's only if inflation gets disruptive or out of control is when i think uh, Uh, the whole whole thing uh, comes to an end, but till that point of time, if you can really produce goods and services at scale uh, and provide the needs, which is demand and supply equates, uh, in those places you're probably uh, not really going to see long-term inflation in a globalized world where you know demand and supply mismatches can be met, uh, and so you can keep uh, real interest rates negative in a predefined range for a prolonged period of time with the idea of bringing down your debt, debt to debt to gdp ratio that's the game plan in a couple of sentences and if you can do that then well you're good at the end of the day and where are you seeing uh, that price inflation in places where uh, demand is likely or expected to outstrip supply based on the actions again uh, that we are taking which is the move towards green energy esg and uh, you know investment in energy which is going to mean electrification of the world which means more use of copper and so copper prices are going and that's the that's a separate story but if you say copper prices are equal to inflation or i, I thought it used to be oil so that's something that we need to think about prices of some things go up and does that mean prices of everything go up but of course if you are weakening the dollar you are going to get a price inflation in general which is going to happen okay so apart from so that there are places where you get demand supply mismatches and there is a monetary impact uh, on inflation uh, and on rising prices but uh, does it necessarily have to end in hyperinflation the answer is no so that's uh, my uh, short take i think broadly speaking till uh, we see any signs of that kind of trouble which will show up in bond in the bond market with rising yields and a rising dollar and as long as those yields uh, yield bounces and dollar bounces end up being counter trend in nature the view would remain reflationary and i don't think the reflation trade is over so uh, i remain positive on the nifty let's see how it goes we still have the month end we'll see the monthly closing as well so once we get past i think all we are seeing right now is noise between the 15900 and 15680 range And once we break out of that noise range, you're probably, uh, you know, going into a stronger rally to new highs in the weeks ahead. So let's watch out for that. Until next week, thank you. That's all from me. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.